Hi everyone, my name is David Ogilvie and this is the podcast where I explore what it means to live, feel and work better. This week I'm joined by Sam Cox, an aspiring polar adventurer who joins me to talk about how he plans to complete the furthest ever solo, unaided and unsupported traverse of the Antarctic. That's 1,950 kilometres, taking up to 80 days in temperatures as low as minus 40 degrees C. We talk about everything ranging from mental health, preparation, equipment, and mindset. I hope you enjoy it. So, hi, Sam. Hi, David. Thank you for uh, for having me today. No, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining me. I'm looking forward to talking to you and learning all about what you are up to and why you're doing it. Um, it's probably worth just introducing yourself a little bit about your background and where you've got to and why you are today. You tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, of course. So um, my name's Sam Sam Cox. Uh, I'm a serving Royal Marine um, at the moment, um, and I live down in in South Devon, uh, right next to the beaches. Um, so I grew up in this area. Um, have done since I was about ten. Um, me and my mum moved down here um, back then. So I've always grown up with the outdoors, sort of straight on my doorstep. Dartmoor is forty five minutes away, and the beaches, like I said, a five minute walk. Um, down the road for me so it's it's an ideal location so i've always been spending my weekends doing uh doing outside stuff whether that's on the water or on the moors um i suppose this sort of accessibility and love of the outdoors is is what led me to start this uh this career that i'm i'm currently in the royal marines and i joined joined the royal marines in in 2010 um and again that's that's really helped in terms of in experiencing different places that a lot of a lot of people wouldn't have seen. Um, so I've been all over the globe um, in numerous different um, guises, uh, from the Caribbean through to Brunei via um, via Norway as well. So I mean, I've experienced quite a lot of um, different places. I, I'd say a lot of people wouldn't go on holiday um, to necessarily. So it's 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 uh, been really interesting. I've I've loved every minute of it. Um, and I am uh, looking at leaving this time next year, so, so you know I'm on I'm on the I'm on the countdown, and I'm, you know I'm grateful for everything that I've uh, been able to see. That again, a lot of people wouldn't normally experience in their in their day to day lives, or or even on holiday, um, in their short periods of uh, of holiday time that you get from from normal jobs. So, was it just being outdoor that drew you to the Royal Marines, or was there something else? Yeah, so I, I like the outdoors, and uh, it was around the time of the I don't know whether you remember them, the ninety nine point nine percent uh need not apply adverts um oh, they, were, yeah. they were quite good but then devon where i'm where i'm from i'm right in the middle of sort of the heart of of royal marine country so uh limston where we do all our training up in commando training centers about an hour away and then plymouth is a big uh naval and royal marine town and um there's taunton and, and barnstable and they're you know around the corner for me so i knew quite a few um either serving or ex-royal marines and then uh coincidentally a couple of guys from the year above me at school um joined um as soon as they left school i, I joined after university but um, they they sort of helped me through and sort of talked talked about the stories they've been up to over the previous years and you know as a young impressionable 19 year old sounds sounds quite good and the phrase i kept using was uh, it's better than working for a living so uh so it sounded great so that's, that's probably the main reason i joined because it's, it's well known for being tough to become a royal marine isn't it it's tough to Tough selection, tough, tough training. I think, yeah. So I think I think you need a level of of I don't know ambivalence is probably a certain word to to the fact that 
things are changeable and something they always use is expect the unexpected. So that's mm-hmm. um, something we got told at the very beginning of the training. Um, so for example, the, the first night um, you start down at Limston, we, we got woken up about 4.30 in the morning for a, for a mud run down on the, on the estuary, which is a, a long hour and a half of getting cold, wet and muddy um, on your, on your first evening of, of being there. And I, th- I think you need a level of, of resilience and sort of natural, like I said, ambivalence to, to things that are changeable. And then they train you, um, from day one up, up to, you know, I was in training for 15 months, um, through, and then, you know, I mean, I'm still learning now, um, through what I'm doing. And, um, it's one of those that you, you, you gain it, um, throughout. And I suppose as most people mature, as they get older, um, probably mature a little bit quicker to start with in your late teens, early twenties, and then continue to, to mature through your twenties and thirties. It's interesting because you've used that word resilience, and this is a resilience development podcast. What does resilience mean to you? When you think of resilience, you know, as a a, a Royal Marine, what do you think of? So I, oh, I suppose it's, it's numerous strands, I suppose. So so for me, resilience is um, the ability to, to sort of not put up with things. It's, I don't know, it's difficult to, to quantify it in, in a certain way because mentally resilient, physically resilient. I mean, um, as well, we need, need a bit of both and training, like I said, does that to you. So again, physically, I think time on the moors as a, as a young teenager has made me physically resilient touch wood. I've never had like a, a soft tissue in, injury or broken bone. And I think that's probably because I'm not, you know, over different, different terrain and just used to load bearing and, and having a weird outdoor Dorsey, uh physiology to me. I've got a very large lower half and quite a small upper half, um, as many people like to point out, uh, especially down the beach. But um, uh, and then mentally, I suppose it's, it's something that, like I said, it's the ability to roll. For me, it's the ability to roll with the punches and not dwell on things that maybe haven't gone your way, um, and then work out a way to come out of a, a setback and make it to your to your advantage i think it's probably for me how, how i've seen it. it's everything in my career you know everyone has setbacks and whether it's personally professionally i've always tried to see it as a instead of a full stop like a comma and being able to continue the sentence but in a way that you then morph into something that you want it to be and you know nothing's the end it's just an end of a certain phase and you move on so it's it's resilience to be able to recognize that i think is how i how i'd personally describe it in a nutshell in a long I nutshell like the, but, um Common not a full stop, Sam. I think I might borrow that. Have it. I think I borrowed it off someone else. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I think of resilience, I think of it as the ability to positively adapt to change, and change is, can be negative or, you know, it can be tough or it can be good change um, I, either way. So is that – and you've picked upon physical and you've also picked upon mental. I would also point to the emotional and the social side of, of resilience. And the reason I'm mentioning that physical, mental, emotional, and social – um, sides of it is because you are currently a Royal Marine. Yep. And you've got that outdoor background. Um, and thanks for sharing your background with us. The reason you're here today to talk about is what you're going to do next. And I know what you've got to do next. I know what you're thinking of doing. Uh, I know what you're thinking of planning. So, you know, why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us what you've got to do next? Yeah, so it's, it's, for me, it's quite exciting. Hopefully, to everyone listening, um, it'll be quite exciting. So, what I'm, I'm planning to do is is uh, a full, uh, not full crossing, but a crossing of Antarctica um, by myself, so solo uh, and unsupported. So, solo clearly means by myself. I'm not having a team with me or support team with me, um, and then unsupported is uh, everything I'll be using, uh, whether it's food or equipment um, or technology. I'll, I'll take with me from the very beginning. Um, 
and I won't have any resupply and I have to take everything out with me so I, I can't ditch my rubbish in a, in a bin somewhere. Um, so it's a full, full crossing across Antarctica um, via the South Pole. So it's just over 1,900 kilometers. So it takes roughly 70 to 80 days, depending on, depending on the weather, um, which will take place. It will start next November, November 2023. So looking forward to it. So, um, it's been a long, long road getting to this point. Obviously another long 18 months uh, until we start uh, in November next year. So what on earth made you decide to do How do you suddenly go from, you know, a young lad growing up um, out, in the, out in the fields, join the Royal Marines and suddenly go, oh, I think I want to do this massive trek all by myself, having to pull everything that I need. What, what's, where, what is the motivation? What's inspiring you to do that? So for me, it's, um, I, like, I like having a goal, whether that's usually, well, for the past decade, it's been professional. I like always try to sort of better myself professionally. And um, I was on, a, on quite an arduous course when the first lockdown happened. I was, I was in, the, in the middle of, of the Brunei jungle um, with no contact with the outside world um, for about three weeks. And COVID was this little thing that was going on in BBC News as the third item on the list when we left, left the UK didn't speak to anyone, didn't see anything in the news and then randomly get flown back to the UK, got told all the borders were shut and I think we went into lockdown about two days after we got back, that, that first lockdown. And my mind started wondering, is that was my professional goal? That's gone out the window. That's, that's clearly um, stopped for the foreseeable future. And I was looking for something that would be long-term so I could plan it through lockdown. Um, and it escalated from doing something in Norway to then going, oh, I'll go to the South Pole and then seeing that, I say South Pole is achievable. Is a lot of people do the South Pole, so I was looking for something a bit, a bit different to what had been trodden before. So that's why I've chosen to do the the, the crossing um, to try and be a bit different. So the whole point of this is no one's gone this far in Antarctica on a one way trip before. People have gone slightly further, but that means they've gone to a point and turned around and come back, which means they can leave things for themselves. So, so I thought I'd try and do something that was that was out there and. I, <laughs> Again, it, is, it sounds horrible for me. Like a, you know, doing a marathon doesn't doesn't particularly challenge me. I know physically I could do it, and mentally it's you know it's a long three, four, five hours or however long it's going to take. And um, I wanted to be uh, to do something that would physically and mentally challenge me to the point that you know, uh, is it possible? Yes, in my eyes it is. But actually, I know it's going to push me to the to the very limit of what I am capable physically and mentally. So that that's how it came about. Um, is that and some escalation over over lockdown in your in your pajamas on the sofa for day 97 or whatever it was but <laughs> how long does it take to plan something like that then so i thought i was aiming to do it this year unfortunately i've had to to push it back um so so planning wise um it it depends so i'm in one way slightly lucky that in my time in the Marines, I've spent about eight months in Norway. So I've got a lot of built up knowledge about how to work in a cold weather environment. So I've, I've managed to skip probably the first three, four phases, whereas there's a, uh, a team of, of female firefighters from London. Some of them hadn't been in a tent before. So I know they've got like a five year lead in because they've got to, you know, build up for everything that I've gone through in training to then get to a point that they're comfortable even living outside, let alone outside in a, an extreme cold weather environment. So it's, it can take five, six years like some people do. And I was hoping to do it in just under two. Um, however, it's, it's the finance side that's, that's um, meant I've had to delay. And clearly that's, that's quite a large part with uh, quite a few world events going on at the moment, um, yeah. uh, which, which has proved 
one of those. So, I, I mean, if you had the money and the experience, I could do it tomorrow. I didn't win the Euro Millions a couple of weeks ago, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not happening this year. But, I mean, it's uh, it's been a fun process. I'm looking forward to the next 18 months to, to help build up and get better before I start and be better prepared anyway. So, so how, how are you going to fund it? Uh, so... Sponsors, that kind of thing, or yeah. So, so commercial sponsorship is the main one. Again, I'm, I'm not a Euro Millions winner, and I, I don't come from a, a long line of of millionaires. Unfortunately, um, it is an expensive endeavour. Um, it's it's mainly goes on the the cost of the the company that look after you whilst you're down there. They they sort out all your safety and flights and um, insurance and uh, medical cover, etc. If if the worst were to happen, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I'm mainly looking for for commercial backing. Um, and again, I'm about to relaunch um, after the end of August to sort of come up with with uh, marketing and and ways I can have a return on investment uh, for anyone who were to to jump on um, jump on and be a partner with the expedition. Yeah, and I know we've talked about that. We're happy to to help. We think it's a, Thank a, you. a fantastic thing because there is a there's a mental health angle as well, is there? Is yeah. There? So so with with this, I suppose um, John from from your company also knows that in in a male male orientated environment like the Royal Marines or, or Special Forces or mostly you know the the Army is quite male orientated, and even down your local rugby club, um, I've seen is there is a stigma behind blokes talking about their feelings um i think the adage is that um men die young or earlier uh, but women are sicker is because they they talk and they're quite happy to go to traditionally go to go to the doctors i think it's something that's very important is is men open up a bit more and and um sort of try to break that stigma that's that's sort of the main the main point so um it's it's an important important to me um having seen it through through work um and it's you know people think military are ptsd and yes it is ptsd but we've sort of 10 11 years from leaving afghanistan now so the ptsd is it's still there but it's it's a lesser uh mental health um issue that, that's going on in the military it's it's other stresses that are now come to the fore um through you know prolonged deployments or or uh, gambling addiction and things like that it's it's still knocking around the military it's not just blunt force P- ptsd from afghanistan or iraq so it's, it's it's still ticking out there and it's to raise the awareness that men's mental health is is out there and people need to start talking to each other because mm, there is there's a lot out there and i see a lot about stigma and, and things like that i'm not sure we've completely made it yet i really aren't no so i, I listened to someone there's a podcast actually the other day that's saying that he he's he equated it to what cancer was in the nineties, the big C. No one talked about cancer. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew people had cancer, but he didn't talk about it. It was the big C, and then that was it. And actually, this is yeah. what we are now in with mental health. Is oh, they're feeling a bit stressed. Is no, no, no. Everyone has a, a mental health is a thing. Everyone has mental health, and you can have good yeah. mental health, you can have bad mental health. Um, so it's probably the wrong term to use, but you know, if you have poor mental health, it's something that people don't necessarily talk about because they, they see the stigma and we're currently getting out there in terms of removing that stigma. And I think it's, like you said, it's, it's nearly there, but it's, it's not quite fully as open as it should be. Everyone should be able to talk about their feelings or, or how they are in that specific environment day or, or, you know, situation. Yeah, it is that talking, isn't it? It's that ability to to talk. Because I, I can think of times when, you know, I've not felt great, felt a bit low, and I've picked up the phone and talked to my mate. 
and I can think of times when they've done the same. So it happens. Mm. We just seem to have we seem to have an issue with it, don't we? And it's interesting. I read an article and it struck me, it resonated with me, that um, women's relationships when they talk tend to be face-to-face, mm. right? And the article said men tends to be side-by-side. In other words, what they were suggesting is for, to get men talking, there has to be an activity. And it struck me. So, so you know, women, and I know we're generalizing here, women don't really need to be doing something with their friend. Men do. And it struck me because even, you know, past few months, uh, I haven't seen some of my friends. And it's because generally there's an activity involved. Let's go for a walk. Let's go have a few beers, pop to the pub, have a pint. And all of that's kind of fallen behind a little bit. So I think I think talking and just getting beyond that is absolutely what we need to be doing. So, you know, fair play to you for highlighting it. I think we all need to highlight it. And I'm glad we've been able to highlight it and just talk for a moment in, in this. So I've got to ask then, so correct me if I'm wrong, if I've got these numbers right, it's 1,900 kilometers. Yeah, give or take. It depends on the exact route, but yeah, roughly. How long is it going to take you? So around 70 days. I'm aiming for under 70, but it should be 70 to 80-ish. And you're doing it by yourself? Yeah. So do you have any concerns about your own? Given that you're not going to be talking to anybody, or are you? You know, like me, if you are, have you got, have you got any concerns about you? you I, I I do so it's one of those I know physically it's I, I find not over complicating things it is essentially walking in the cold it's you know I know physically I'll, I'll be able to do it it's the mental side that that I do have concerns about um I'm an only child and um single mother so I mean she was always out of work so I'm used to spending time mm-hmm. by myself but clearly I've never spent that length of time um, on my Todd. So it's, it's something that it doesn't worry me, but it, it concerns me. I think the first two weeks it will be quite novel. And then I'm assuming the middle patch will be, will be difficult. And then it'll be the final few weeks where you're excited to finish. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's quite hard to comprehend in my mind because clearly 70 days by yourself is, is a long time. Um, yeah. and I'm not physically and by myself. So I, I, I will be speaking to a human on the other end of the satellite phone every night for, for safety checks to make sure I've not gone do lally or, uh, or the weather's not coming in. So, but it's not like a, you know, 35 minute conversation, um, with them. It's more of a, a quick update because it's quite, quite expensive and the signal's not always, uh, fantastic. So, so concern is, is there. I, w- I wouldn't say I'm worried though, in terms of the, the mental side and the, the solo part of it. Because it's quite. Did you just decide that's it? I'm doing it solo, or were you involved with somebody else? Or why, no, so why we, you solo rather than? Because I'm kind of I'm kind of sat here thinking. Some I get the challenge bit, but is this guy crazy? So hopefully not. Um, so so we start off as a pair. Actually, a friend of mine. We, we were looking at oh. it, and it, it did start over um, over a lockdown Zoom call with a few beers that we were started looking at this um and unfortunately he had to drop out for, for work commitments and a few family commitments early this year i think it was end of february um and then because for me this was my goal like i said it was our goal it was my goal um i wanted to do it and i thought actually you know what it, i'll continue doing it and it'll be it'll be a, a you know a good story and it'll probably raise a bit more awareness for for mental health and the fact that solo is probably going to be quite difficult i don't know whether going as a pair would be just as difficult. I'm sure it would be because you'd have fallouts and probably wouldn't talk to each other for a week, even though you're sleeping side by side. But um, it, it did start as a pair, but 
like I said, for me, I think it would have been harder for me to give up the goal rather than to do it as an individual um, down in Antarctica. So, so yeah, but it, I was, it wasn't completely crazy to start with and now now I've committed. So, <laughs> Yeah. But you, so, I mean, can I just ask you about things like I'm, re- I'm, you know, I'm really interested how one person does this by themselves. So you've got to take all your gear and you've, you're going to be pulling it, are you? I'm kind of yeah, thinking putting of, it on a sled. Right. Um, behind how, me. How, how much is that going to weigh and what are you going to take with you? So it's about 130, 140 kilos. Um, it's really difficult to explain. So so when it's icy, the, the polk, it's it's not, I don't know how to, how to say it. So it's not like having 140 kilos on a backpack. You know, you feel that in your shoulders and you feel that all over your body and in your knees. Whereas when you're pulling a polk, it, it sort of glides behind you on quite nice runners. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, there's ways to, to lessen the friction between that and the snow. Obviously it's, um, uh, snow dependent. So again, if it snows, for example, uh, down, down in Antarctica, it will be more difficult to pull. And there's, um, areas where I will be going uphill and there's, um, uh, Sass, I always pronounce it wrong. Sastrugi, um, which are small sort of up to two meter high little snow drifts that, you know, like, like you get on a beach, little sand dune, tiny little sand dunes mm-hmm. that you end up having to drag things over. So, um, so that, that would be the most challenging physically, um, challenging part um, and in terms of what I'll be taking with me it's it's everything I need so um, again my tent sleeping bag all my clothes um, surprisingly enough I'm not on a fashion parade so it'll be probably one set of trousers one one jacket and a few few thermals just in case uh, uh, they rip and socks and pants obviously um, clothing um, food and then then cooking probably a few small luxuries a bit of a um, bit of technology in terms of the the, the satellite phones I'll use for emergency communication. Um, so it's quite austere in terms of what I'll be taking. I'm you know I'm not taking a laptop and anything like that. Yeah, because I'm I'm kind of as you were talking, I had 130 k, and I immediately went. I'm about 80 k. I'm going to say about right. Might be a little bit more, but I'm going to say about. Um, so it's it's kind of like the equivalent of pulling two people along almost. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you put it like that, yeah, and I, and I get, I get. If there are some, you know, kind of scientific people, there's some kind of um, methodology in physics, and you're pulling it so it's not on your back, but it's still a lot. What, what was, what's the typical day going to look like for you? Then I, I presume you've got to cover a certain a distance per day in order to meet your target. Just talk me through how you envisage that's going to look like. I'm really interested in. I'm kind of. I've got just got this idea. of You're just going to put one foot in front of the other, and off you go. But just talk me, talk me through a day. You know, what time are you going to start? How's it going to look? So, 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 so I suppose the the one positive of doing it in Antarctica is it's their summer, so they're they're a bit like the you know the North Pole. Um, they they have 24 hour sunlight uh, throughout the period that I'll be doing it. So, in terms of times of day, um, I'll try and keep a nice rhythm going with and routine. So again, for me personally, I, I quite like that. But then if I know there's a, there's a weather system coming in, I can you know, get up a, quite a bit earlier and do my, do my time um, before the weather comes in. But a, a normal day um, will be about 10, 11 hours worth of, worth of walking. Um, I tried this whilst I was in Norway uh, this winter just gone. I'm going to stop every hour and a half ish for a you know, five, 10 minute um, food break and, 
um, trying different things this this year in Norway. So I'm going to try like a hot meal uh, for lunch in a in a flask. That so means I can have a bit of morale in the middle of the day, um, and I'll need to cover. Um, I think exactly it's about twenty seven and a half k a day, but I'll be looking to do about thirty a day, and obviously all that builds up. Um, and then it means that if you're over your target, it means that if you do have a day that you have to stay in for the weather or, or you're just absolutely knackered, it means you're, you haven't lost a load of time uh, that you've, you've, you've gained. It means you're still on, on track. So so typically it'll be about 10 hours of, of plodding along and skiing along in a day. Again, some some days uh, if I'm going uphill, for example, I'm on the glaciers, it means that um, I'll probably do less than that. And again, some days... I might have a fantastic, uh, fantastic set of weather and conditions, and it means I can do 40, 45k, and you know, just keep on going. But I think it's important to keep the routine and not go over your over your 10, 11 hours, um, depending on yeah. what's going on. But and what, what what's going to be going on in your head, right? Because I mean, obviously, I've never done anything like that. I think I've done a done a long walk, twenty six k walk, right, overnight, that kind of thing, right. But you're going to be doing this. You're going to be doing this every day for a number of days what kind of how, how are you going to keep yourself interested so a lot of people have podcasts audiobooks music um but i have heard horror stories where people have relied on that during training and build up and during the expedition and then um everything in the cold if, if you're not aware so the wires on your headphones they go very brittle and people have broken their headphones on day 10 they've got oh. another 30 days to go so so i've been deliberately training um some people call it but I'm deliberately training without any any sort of mental stimulation like music or podcasts so then I'm clearly going to take them um, but then I'm not reliant on them so um, throughout military wise when when you're walking along you clearly don't have music on you're all quiet for for tactical reasons so I'm quite used to doing sort of 10-11 hours just in my own thoughts um, right. again not for 90 days on, or sorry 70-80 days on the trot but uh, yeah we'll see so I've, I've tried not to rely on music but music and, and podcasts and things like that will will be used um and like i said in, in norway just gone i was trying sort of a couple of hours with it and then turn it off putting it all away and having four or five hours where i'm just by myself and it's actually quite nice back with nature you can hear weird noises that you uh you wouldn't necessarily have picked up if you weren't concentrating it gives you something else to to do and listen out for and again it's a complete desert so there won't be anything around me and i'll probably have a nice squeak in my boot to really annoy me but um yeah it's 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 something that I can comprehend on the on a short term, but again, over over that length of time, might might be a different uh, kettle of fish. And um, what's I think the longest you've ever ever done just by yourself? Completely by myself, probably probably a week. To be honest, it's um again, it's it's difficult to do that length of time um, truly by yourself in the modern world. You'd probably have to go off grid, wouldn't you? So. Um, so Norway, I spent a decent amount of time just by myself then, um, which is, again, it's quite relaxing. It's quite nice to get away and detox. My phone was running out of battery, so you had it off most of the time. It was, it was quite nice. Um, but again, times that by 10 will be, <laughs> be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose you've got to – will you be using solar power or – Yeah, so it's all solar paneled. Um, so that means I can charge up everything from – I'll probably take a, a very basic iPod or uh, MP3 player with me and charge everything up. Satellite phones. Um, I hope to have a small, um, what they call little drone that I can fly and take a few few videos and pictures of myself with you know in the middle of nowhere, which would be quite nice. So I'll, I'll have recharging capabilities. It's all solar panel and then the big uh, power banks. If if you know the 
ones that people take on phones, on uh, yeah. planes, sorry, when they go on trips. And how much food are you going to need for that? I'm just thinking of you pulling this. It's called a pork, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, or sled. Yeah, pork is, I think it's the Finnish word, um, which is. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine you doing it. Right? <laughs> I'm not trying to put you off. I hope I'm, not, I'm sure I won't. I'm just trying to imagine you doing it. And I'm thinking, I can, I can visualize you pulling this pulk. You got all your gear on. You, you kind of got your, you're listening to your podcasts. Hopefully, the Resilience Development Podcast. So you're listening to that, and you, you're kind of plowing through and making progress up to 30k. See, I, I am listening a, a day. Is um, what about food? You got to carry all that. Yeah. So, so foods, I'm hopefully going to enjoy actually. So, um, it's long gone of the days of probably about 15, 20 years ago where people would buy uh, porridge oats, instant milk, mix them together in daily little bags. And then they were literally taking um, olive oil with them, pouring 100 mil of olive oil into their dinner so they had the calories. Um, surprisingly enough, nutrition's come along um, quite a long way um, from now. So uh, they've got nice dehydrated meals that, um, you know, there's loads of different variations out there. So, so main meal in the morning uh, will be like a big hearty porridge, um, dehydrated porridge or, or something something similar. And then evening meal will be a, um, what I tried the other day, it was a Thai green curry, which is actually genuinely very nice. Um, again, so I'll, I'll be looking to get about 3,000 calories from the big meals um, per day. And then um, there's a there's a company called Resilient Nutrition who who um, are going to be doing all my snacks for me. And they're, they're really good. So they do a lot of nut butters. It's a high calorie um stuff not not just full of rubbish um or sugar it's you know it's healthy fats and and carbohydrates and it's not just chewing a peanut butter it's quite liquidy visc- viscousy liquid um and they do them in numerous different different flavors and I'm, I'm a savory man so i'm going to be buying cheese and salami um and things like that so yeah. you know clearly at last i'm basically in a freezer for two and a bit months so so it all lasts and i'm going to portion it out per day so each day i can just grab 24 hours worth of food and have it ready to go so I can snack away when, when I want. Um, and then cup of soups, apparently a little morale raises. Having spoken to a few people before is big, thick cup of soups in the middle of the day. Big, big mug of that really helps. It just shows you, doesn't it? It's the small things that matter. Yeah. So home comforts, like I said, I'm, I'm a savory man. So I get sick to death of, of having sweets and things. And again, throughout going back to the military side is throughout my career, like all the, all the rations are made up of, you know, 4,000 calories, I'll say, but 1,500 of those 4,000 will be pure sugar or, or Coca-Cola bottles and things like that. And after a while, after two days, I, I don't want another tutti frutti. I want, want something hearty. Um, oh no, I need about 7,000 calories ish per, per day. So it's a lot to shovel in oh my gob. Yeah, clearly you. Th- I mean, you sound like I'm asking you questions, and you've obviously thought about it. <laughs> right? You've obviously thought about it, which is is nice to you. And then, just in terms of the route, I'll just ask you one question about the route. Is um, how do you plan that? So, how do you go about going? I need to get from there to there and work out the best way. So, again, the the perks of modern day de- technology is you can plan a route pretty much in advance. So, again, the heroic age where where Scott. Uh, Shackleton and Admanson were, were going out and finding places and looking, you know, using using their own uh, own eyes to try and find routes. Is is um, is nowadays we got satellite uh, areas. So there's a, there's a couple of um, glaciers that I'll be using. One of them has been relatively well used. Um, clear as a solo um, person, I, I won't have a team, so I can't stretch out and 
and rope up with anything. So that that risk would be probably the largest um, in terms of me disappearing off the face of the earth um, or into a big hole, literally. Um, so so they with the company Ailey, they've um, helped me find a route that is crevasse, not crevasseless, but less crevassed. Um, and that's the only part that I'll, I'll probably have to be a bit more on my toes because it's it's not well travelled. I think only two people have gone down the Reedy Glacier um, up until now. There's a few more people going down this year, um, and again, as more and more people go down, so they'll they'll get sort of the route traces back from from these people and go, where do you actually go to skip everything? Um, so so most of it's planned in advance. And once you're on the polar plateau, it's literally straight line as you go because there's nothing in the way. It's slightly uphill or gradually uphill all the way to the South Pole and then slightly further uphill until I start getting off the polar plateau um, down the Reedy Glacier. Yeah, wow. Can't, I, I'm, try, I, I'm a very visual person, so I'm just trying yeah, to... It's quite difficult to explain it without having a, a map. <laughs> yeah, no, but, it, but I, I, I do, I, I, I get it. And there, there must be so much planning. And there must be so much, since you've decided to do this, there must be lots of interest uh, and you must have met lots of different people. And when I think of change, I always think of op- opportunities mm. and obstacles. And I'll just ask you two quick questions. Out of all of this and preparing for it, what's been your biggest opportunity? I think it's opened up a new network of friends and colleagues and peers and everything else. So, so once you know, once I started, I I had no idea where to start. I I spoke to a, an ex war marine who who went to the South Pole about three years ago, and then from there, I've grown this list of people. I've spoken to um, people in Australia, people um, people in North America, building this. So a network of not necessarily Antarctic um, adventurers, but you know people have done similar things in different places, and just building up a wealth of knowledge, um, which is actually really, really, really good fun. Um, and again, with with the commercial side, having been in the military, all you do is spend money. You don't need to make money. It's it's not clear we're not business in the military. Whereas I've tried to mm-hmm. treat this like a business with a, with a business plan and you know key key deadlines and things. Um, Clearly a failed business so far this year, but uh, we'll, we'll push on to next year. Um, however, it's uh, you know I've I've learnt loads in terms of planning something that isn't military. Is that's been the majority of my my professional life is pure uh, military, which is you know one skill set, and I've had to branch out and do something slightly differently. So professionally, I've I've learned quite a lot, and then in terms of um, personally, I've made quite a few friends and, and contacts, which you know will be invaluable beyond this expedition going forward. Yeah, that was the big thing I noticed about you when we first met and chatted, that every day is a learning day. I know you're really open to kind of challenge and learning and you know, that's a great thing to great thing to see. And I often find when you share a goal with people, the right people will help you out. Mm. They'll kind of help you out. So if that's the opportunity, what's been your biggest obstacle or will be your biggest obstacle? Well, I suppose yeah. So I've got I've got three I suppose it's the first one would be getting there financially is is the biggest immediate obstacle that's that's my first goal is get to the start line uh, now November twenty three um, again we're we're living in very difficult and austere times financially obviously it's uh, cost of living crisis and everything else is trying to ask money you know five six figure sums from people is 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 difficult as it's you know, it can be seen or could be seen as me just going on holiday. It's clearly I'm trying to do this for for something else, and I've been trying quite keen to to get that across. Is it's not just me. You know, I'm not a brand. I'm not looking to be a you know the next uh, the next Bear Grylls off the back of this. I want to use this opportunity um, clearly for me to to 
as part of my goal, but then to, to grow and break the stigma. And, um, we haven't spoken about the, the research I'm, I'm doing yet, but I'm doing some research for, um, the, the space analog community as well. You know, I wanted to offer this out to as many people as possible because it's quite a unique situation. So, so to go back to what, what you asked was financially is probably the biggest obstacle, um, so far. And then clearly the actual, the actual, uh, expedition, once I get there is going to be the, the most obvious obstacle, but, uh, until we get there, the, the finances, it's pretty difficult given my lack of knowledge in that background, you know, I'm not, I'm not from a, an mm. old boys network of a private school or, you know, I haven't got friends in, in the city of London or anything. I've, I've done this from a sleepy town in the middle of Devon. So, um, you know, it's, that's probably been the biggest obstacle. And, and so, I mean, just on that, I mean, I, I've obviously met you before, right? It's not the first time I've talked to you. I don't think you have any challenges with coming across as somebody who wants to be the next Bear Grylls and doing it for yourself. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's clear. Yeah, I don't mean any offence to Bear Grylls. I mean, I mean, it's clear you're not in it for yourself. You're in it for the right reasons. I mean, I know that I got that from talking to you. So I wanted to get you on the, on the show as well. Where do people, I'm assuming any little helps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'm in a bit of a, a relaunch, restart, rebranding, whatever you want to call it at the moment. Um, so, so come the end of August, I'll, I'll have this um, fully up and running, hopefully, um, with a new new logo, new website, um, new marketing strategy and, and new uh, new what you'd call them like a prospectus about the the expedition and how, how I can return the favor if, if people were to help me out. So um, I'll be able to launch and tell a bit more about that in a month's time but yeah i do have a, a website frozendagger.co.uk i suppose the easiest place to get hold of me and then um, all the details are on there as well so people can get hold of you at frozendagger.co.uk yeah that's it and then uh what are we on instagram's frozen dagger um get to see some nice pictures of me in the snow um and also short shorts not together though um yeah. and then again on linkedin uh just on the sam cox so i am available and all usually free if anyone wants to come and talk to me yeah, and the frozen dagger link—that's because that's the wrong so, marine. So yeah, everything we everything we do is is uh, we're struggling to come up when we repair, struggling to come up for a name for it, and everything we do in the in the, in the military always has a, like an excise name. Um, so we thought, okay, well, what do we call everything? Everything's dagger based in the marines, so we'll call it dagger. And what is it? Well, it's cold. Cold dagger doesn't sound right. Frozen dagger. So that, that's where that came from. Um, but it sounds quite good. I mean, it's uh, it's punchy. I like it. Yeah, so people find you at frozendagger.co.uk or Sam Cox on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's it. You can get in touch with you for a, for a, a chat, um, particularly if they're able to support you. Uh, and then I guess just just two questions, really. One is, and I, I think I did tee this up before we started, is, and I'm really interested in your response, actually, is if you could go back to your teenage self, that young lad that you talked to uh, talked about before growing up in Dorset, I think you said before joining the the Marines. What advice would you give to your younger self? So I've often thought this, and you know, I'm 33 next week, and it's it's something I've I've, I've often thought. And I don't think it was until about five years ago I was truly confident in my my abilities and capabilities. I was, you know, August boy, youngest person in in the year youngest person growing up all my friends are 18 by the time you know we even got to summer holidays and there I was not even able to legally go to the pub um so I think I've not suffered from confidence but I think it has held me back and if I was more confident in in my capabilities and what I wanted to do um 
I'm not saying I'll be anywhere different, but you know, I, I think it makes life a lot easier and actually everyone's confident in their own little circles and actually it's confidence um, to other people beyond your family or your immediate circle of friends and actually understanding you do know things and you, you are useful. Um, and everyone, like I said, everyone's learning, everything's a learning opportunity and understanding that that is part of growing up and you, you aren't the finished article as a 22 year old, 23 year old. And um, yeah, be confident, make mistakes, learn from them. But that's the most important thing isn't it? is you come back from your mistakes and, and push on. Yeah, that, I mean, I think the biggest mistake, I'm a professional coach, right? So I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make is we think we're the finished article. I mean, I'm nearly 50. I think I know everything and I'm the finished article. That's the danger, isn't it? We're actually, uh, we're not the finished article. We've got so much more about us. And I'd be really interested um, to see what you do after as well and what you do after this. I'm kind of thinking, where does somebody who's done that, what what do they do next? Um, so will you promise to come on and chat to us in the run-up to it? Yeah, oh, 100%, um, yeah. No, definitely. No, I've really enjoyed this and I enjoy it's my what is this second podcast. I, I quite enjoy them, weirdly. Nerve-wracking, but uh, no, they're, they're good fun. Yeah, never. And, and I've got one final question. No, please. I did have a little look on the internet before we talked, right, about about kind of um, trips to the Arctic. I got that the right way around, I think. Is you, you do know that you can just kind of go on a skiing holiday there with an organized event for just a couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't you know have that sort of that. cash, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 um, it's a growing market. I think actually the Antarctic travels, you can, you can literally just fly to the South Pole, have a look and then fly back in the same day. If you, if you were that way inclined. Um, yeah, a little bit different what you're doing. Yeah, it's not, not quite yeah, the same. It's all about the journey, isn't it? Rather than destination. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's absolutely amazing. I think it's it's absolutely amazing what you're doing. I think it's fantabulous that you are raising awareness for mental health as well. I think that, that we, we all need to do that, especially men. I think we need to stand up and go, look, it, we all have mental health and we all need to talk about it. We, and so I think that's great. And I'll just reiterate for anybody listening, it's frozendagger.co.uk and it's Sam Cox on LinkedIn. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Sam. Absolute pleasure. And to you. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Um, otherwise, good luck with your adventure. I'll certainly be following it. I know the company are going to get in, involved. We're going to we're going to sponsor you and help yeah, you. Thank you very much for your support. Um, and uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. I'm sure people listening are going to be interested. So thanks again for your time, and I'll see you soon. No, great to speak to you, David. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Resilience Development Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Sam's adventure, head to www.frozendagger.co.uk or click on the link in the description to go straight there. Please tell your friends about this podcast and I'll see you again in a fortnight. Looking forward to it already.